Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning, you with SAFM. Time for your Mediated Conversation this Wednesday morning. On Monday, the 1st of May, a group of 4,000 crime prevention wardens had their first day on the job in Gauteng. They've had around two months training. The Gauteng Premier, Panyaz Lusufi, says they're meant to help in the fight against crime. At the same time in the Western Cape, what are called Law Enforcement Advancement Plan Officers, LEAP Officers, have now been in place for some time. Both of these groups are meant to support the police service. As you know, violent crime has jumped in the last two years, and particularly after the end of the pandemic. At the same time, you will have heard me say several times that the detection rate for murders, the percentage of murders which are actually solved, has dropped to under 20%. So what powers do these bodies have? And do they really make a difference? Firstly, this morning from Gauteng, the spokesperson for the Gauteng Premier, Vuyo Maga. Then, in the Western Cape, the LEAP officers, the Western Cape Community Safety MEC, is Regan Allen. And then, finally, do these groups make a difference and how do we assess that? We'll speak to Dr. Johan Berger, a senior lecturer in the Crime and Justice Programme at the Institute for Security Studies. We start then with the spokesperson for the Gauteng Premier, Voyo Maga. Voyo, good morning. Thanks for your time. Hey, good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm well, thank you. 4,000 wardens, they're patrolling communities. What powers do they have? Well, uh, they are peace officers, uh, so they can uh, arrest. Um, also, try to detect uh, any you know anyone who wants, who might actually be breaking the law or under the suspicion. Uh, so they will be doing that. So we have actually unleashed them um, as of the first. Uh, of course, working closer with the police uh, because uh, they are very fresh uh, from the college to really um, understand and understand the ropes, although they will have uh, studied the Criminal Procedure Act um, at the college, but of course they must uh, go to the field currently. So they can actually make an arrest? They have the legal power to make an arrest? Yeah, as, uh, po- as peace officers, they've got the legal power to make an arrest. After two months training? No, no, it's a three months uh, training. As I said, they are currently under the uh, tutelage or stewardship of the experience and the mentors of the broader police who have been experienced and operating within the system. They will continue to do the training. Remember, Steve, what we have said is that this will be the first initial training and then they will continue to do the training and some of them will deploy them in your land invasion. That is happening a lot in Gauteng. We'll deploy them uh, in the economic infrastructure disruption, uh, what we call the so-called 30% of people who just demand uh, payment without doing work. So they'll continue to do the basically the training. So this was just literally the basic training that they had to go through um, initially. Who conducted the training? How was that done? Well, uh, both the some of uh, the colleagues in subs, uh, some of the colleagues in the metro, because we have spread them across, as you'll agree, the 6,000 number is quite big. So we had actually used different uh, trainers that actually do train your metro police, some of them, to train the, basically the police on the fiscal aspect. And of course, there was a theoretical aspect, as I've said, around the Criminal Procedure Act, which they had to actually undergo through. Did they have to pass an exam or a test? No, no, they had to uh, pass the exam. That's why some of them could not necessarily make it, even though the initial uh, phase, they would have made it. So they will have a lot of people who have actually uh, fallen by the wayside because the initial um, screening was that they needed to have a metric. Uh, so you had about 21,000, if I can just put that, you had about 21,000 applicants, uh, about 11,000 uh, would have then 
succeeded to go for an assessment. Out of that assessment, within about um, 5,000, then literally made it, uh, made it through. And some of them will have obviously had to check uh, their criminal records. Some of them will have been found to have, um, you know, some silly things during the COVID where you are found where you are not supposed to be, sure. but that gets projected in your in your case, so you could not necessarily succeed. So, and of course, uh, through the college, therefore they had to go through both physical as well as theoretical work. Okay, I mean, you keep talking, you, you, you say, um, so I know, I realize 6,000 people is a lot of people to train, but some you say were with the SAPS, some were with the Metro Police. So was it formal training or they were just watching someone do the job? No, no, they were. They, I mean, we've we visited them. Uh, some of them were. They were literally done uh, with the physical training at that time. They were going and going through some um, of the theoretical work. So they were the ones who were basically being trained, not necessarily watching uh, someone or the instructor doing the work. Okay. So, I mean, I have to come back to this for you, but after three months' training, you give someone the power to make an arrest. Is that definitely legal? No, that's what I'm saying, uh, Steve. Currently, they'll be working with the police uh, to basically understand them uh, in terms of the work that they are doing. But the ultimate objective of these um, police wardens, will, they will be what we call police um, uh, uh, peace officers uh, within the communities, where it will basically give them that part of power. Okay. Um, the phrase peace officer, what does that actually mean? Because I've, I've heard that used in an American context. I don't think I've ever heard it used in a South African context or not very widely before. No, well, of course, they're, they're basically they've got uh, in terms of uh, the warrant, as I said, the warrant of arrest. They can actually apprehend someone who's actually being suspected um, of having committed a crime uh, or not, uh, and then obviously uh, hand it over to to the police station, and they can actually appear. I mean, when I was speaking to the guy, that he can their evidence, uh, you know, be taken by the court of law, and uh, that, the the view. Of the of the colleagues who are obviously answering that say yes, indeed, it can actually be the case. Okay, and then what tools are they being given to fight crime? What I mean, I've seen they have a uniform. What else do they have? Well, as, as I said, um, uh, as they go through it, they'll uh, obviously be trained uh, in terms of the of the guns, uh, in terms of the handcuffs, uh, and some of uh, your, your, you know the pepper spray. And, and, and that type of a thing, uh, and, and obviously then basically respond to the challenges that they might actually be, um, be called upon to basically respond to. So they've been given a gun? No, no, not at the moment. That's what I'm saying. At the moment, they're actually understanding the guys. So no, sure. move what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is... is yeah, yeah. Be, yeah, ultimately, that's where they'll actually move. Like as you left with your your traffic police and all that, after they've gone through their, that part of training on that part of the aspect. Okay, cool. And will they also have cars or any access to transport? Yeah, they'll have cars. That's why we have to increase uh, the expansion of uh, the fleet in Houghton uh, with an additional about 200 cars at the moment so that as they patrol the communities, because really the idea here, Stephen, is to make sure that at least one ward is, is having a visibility of about 10 of these police wards, at least one variety per particular ward, so that there's that visibility, but also they are able to respond whenever the residents of Houghton feel uh, under distress. So they will possibly be the first point of contact as we actually also be rolling out the epenic party uh, as well as the CCTV cameras across uh, Houghton. So they will be basically the first uh, point of call in terms of the personnel. And how much are they getting paid? Well, without uh, so it's about 17. I think when I've asked 
so that will be their cross. And of course, there will then be normal deduction uh, that basically happens. 17,000 uh, rand a month. That's what I, 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 I think that is the case. I just have to verify that number, but I think that is the number. And how are you going to, and this is a complicated question, Royal, how are you going to assess if they have an impact? You obviously look at what's happening, you'll deploy them in particular areas, see what crime does in those areas, but you are going to try and assess if they're having an impact. Well, there are, I mean, uh, different crime uh, pressures uh, across the province. Uh, for example, Oliven is one of them. So if you really follow the crime stats uh, delivered by the Minister of uh, of Police, you'll understand where exactly are the pressures and what type of uh, crime that is basically there. The, they'll be under the overall command, as we have done in Houting, of the General Mawela. We'll obviously deploy them according to the need in particular. So there'll be areas where there's a, a bit of crime. And I think collectively, as a resident of Houting, we'll be able to make um, first our own feeling if how do we feel much more better. And then crime statistics will either affirm that particular feeling to be the case. So um, over a period of time, I think we'll be able to be in that position ourselves. And the only way to assess them as the crime dropped or do South Africans or residents of Gauteng feel much more better or much more safer. Roya Margat, thank you. Spokesperson for the Premier of Gauteng started your, starting your mediated conversation this morning around provincial police forces or regional police forces. 17 minutes to nine the time. Regan Allen is the MEC in the Western Cape for Community Safety. MEC, good morning. Thanks for your time. Stephen, good morning. Always good speaking to you and good morning to the listeners. What powers do your LEAP officers have? It is very much different, Stephen. I have listened attentively um, to my counterpart in Gauteng earlier on. And I think for the record, I would want to frame this particular answer in a way, Stephen. The first issue is that we have seen at a provincial level, there's no policing powers. What we have had to do in the Western Cape was step in. And via that stepping in, we have a payment transfer agreement with the city of Cape Town. So with the city of Cape Town, we fund in order to have these LEAP officers. So these LEAP officers are fully trained in terms of law enforcement. They have the peace officer training, but also they have their firearm competency certificates, which means that they are fully competent in terms of the SAPS Act in order to have a firearm, to have a gun. Stephen, we have assist um, the LEAP program here in in the Western Cape, and we have actually seen strides being made. When murder is increasing by 26.1% in our country, where lead officers are in our priority areas, we are actually seeing decreases in terms of the murder rate. So it's a peace officer training. They can make arrests. They are able to then ensure that they undertake a number of operations as well. And they work in, in partnership with the South African Police Service because, as you have heard me say, often there's under-resourcing in our priority areas. And these lead officers are fully-fledged law enforcement officers working alongside the South African Police Service. They have their firearm competencies and they have seen a number of successes in that regard. How long is the training that they receive? Who does the training? Um, the city, um, the city of Cape Town, the city of Cape Town, and every metro would have the training facility. So it undergoes all these leap officers undergo the training via the city of Cape Town's training, which is accredited. The peace officer training is also accredited. The SAPS firearm um, competency tests are conducted together with some tactical awareness, street awareness. Um, coupled with the entire basket of services that we ultimately get via the city of Cape Town. So we've seen that they are trained in terms of, of law enforcement and they are able to also enforce bylaws. 
but we have seen how we use data and evidence, Stephen. What that essentially means is that we have seen where murders are happening, what crime is happening, when crime is happening, in what street, via forensic pathology services, health here in the Western Cape, and we deploy those leap officers specifically where crime is happening, the times, etc. As all would know, it's via weekends, etc. So we have been very clear in that regard using data and evidence, and we are seeing the successes. So it's a scientific approach to policing, it's a smart approach to policing, and it's not a willy-nilly type of approach. And this agreement is with the city of Cape Town now since 2020. And like I've said, the numbers, the crime stats will even indicate that we have seen the successes in that regard. Okay. How long is the training period? Um, six months, and then they do an additional six months on um, um, in-service training as well. Okay. You often talk about the number of arrests that they make, and I've seen several press releases uh, from the Western Cape Provincial Government on that. Um, do those arrests result in proper justice, by which I mean being held legally accountable through the court system, or, you know, it's one thing to just arrest people. Are those people then just mm-hmm. released, or are, actually they, are they actually leading to convictions? Um, Stephen, thank you for this question. We have engaged um, the NPA in this regard and the South African Police Service. As we all would know, in that the investigative powers that is solely in the domain currently of the South African Police Service, and they are needing to investigate those particular crimes. We have caught watching briefs on a number of the arrests made by leap officers because we have seen, Stephen, when that particular matter is taken to a prosecutor, it is then not prosecuted, it is struck off the court so the investigators, there's little um, um, capacity in that regard when some of our detectives here in the Western Cape are sitting with a caseload of 250 dockets per detectives. So so we have seen some success in that regard but not to our, to our satisfaction because the amount of arrest we will ultimately want that to lead to that particular person actually appearing in court and actually paying for the crime that they have committed. Um, so it's not what we have wanted to see, um, and we are continuing those engagements with the South African Police Service and with the NPA. And that is part of the call, Stephen, that we have consistently made about policing powers, the policy directives that the Western Cape has been advocating for, for the devolution of, of powers. And, and what we are seeing now in Gauteng, for example, with the wardens um, that, that you have spoken just before this particular interview. We have done that also since 2017 already in our rural areas where we have these peace officers which wouldn't have the the firearm on them, but they are trained in peace officers and they are also contributing to visibility. The amount of neighborhood watches that we have in our mm-hmm. province, 17,500, they act as the eyes and ears on the ground, feeding information to law enforcement sure. and the SAPs. But we would want to see a devolution. We would want to see a new policing model where a province can actually have greater say in what happens uh, from a policing side in in a particular province like ours. MEC, thank you. Regan Allen is the MEC for Community Safety in the Western Cape. In a moment, the view of Dr. Johan Berger, the Independent Crime and Policing Consultant. Your mediated conversation will continue. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continuing your Mediated Conversation this morning around the Provincial Police Services or Police, whatever we want to call them, which we're seeing in Gauteng and the Western Cape. Dr. Johan Berger is an independent crime and policing consultant. Dr. Berger, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. We see these people being given some training and then uniforms by their provinces. What impact do you expect them to have? 
I, I, you know, let's just start by saying I think there's such a, a desperation for uh, more safety or better safety that, you know, everyone appears to be supporting any kind of initiative that that would add to to policing as as we currently have it. So, so starting from that angle, you know, I think there's a lot of hope that this would become some sort of a um, uh, assistant. Uh, or assistance to the to the police, but the one thing that that I think we must recognise is that this is not another police agency. There are only two agent police agencies provided for in the Constitution and the Police Service Act, and that is SAPS and the Metro Municipal Police Services. So these guys are clearly in a completely different uh, category of of uh, law enforcement so that that is the one thing and also listening from the two um responses from the western cape and the gauteng it's obvious quite obvious that the western cape has put far more effort into uh the training of the of the peace officers um than did gauteng gauteng appears to be over hasty in the way that they've done things i mean i've heard uh, the 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 comments from the Gauteng government in terms of uh, um, issues such as the central command center that's not yet in place uh, and a number of things and and certainly as as I think was pointed out the the training of of only uh, three months and it looks like basic training training by two different groups SAPS and the Metro Police uh, that also raises some concerns so yeah I think there are. There are um, some who would welcome this now as additional uh, a, a safety uh, approach, but there will be concerns about the the the, the training that, that seems to be very very basic, and and then issues um, in terms of command and control. Uh, you know, so there there are a number of concerns that that uh, remain, and we just hope they sort it out quite quickly. One of the things that's so important in the police service is you talk about command and control. Another word might be discipline. And we see it, you know, I've seen myself, you know, covering protests as a reporter when police are ordered to do something by the commander to form in a particular formation, etc. It's incredibly effective. Can you expect people who've had three months worth of training to do that kind of thing? No, no, I don't. I, I don't think they, they, they can, you know, and this is why I think they've been over hasty to put this thing on the ground and and have them so that they could make this 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 huge announcement. Uh, one would have expected that they that they put the groundwork in place first, ensure that there's proper training, that all the basics are covered, such as command and control kind of discipline you are referring to, uh, and also the firearm training. I mean, there was a lot said about them being armed when they perform their duties we now hear that uh, that's not yet in place so they have these grand cars uh, and they've been given all these powers in terms of um, the the government notice by by the minister of justice and for them to perform uh, in terms of those of those powers that they've been given they need to have uh, a proper training process Cape Town did six months plus six, six months and that all the basics in place from what we've heard uh, also in terms of, of firearms training and other tactical training and the kind of training they need on the streets 
to perform uh, their, their responsibilities or execute these powers. These things does not appear to be in place as far as the uh, uh, Gauteng uh, wardens are concerned. And, and you know, that must be a worry. There's just one last issue also. I've, I've heard that IPIT would be uh, expected to oversee them. There's nothing in the IPIT Act that includes these, these peace officers. So unless this is uh, included by way of, let's say, a regulation, perhaps, I'm worried that, you know, they will not be the kind of independent oversight over these peace officers that we see from, from IPIT. Um, we have a big rise in the number of violent crimes, right? And both of these responses are both of these are a response to that. Both of these programs, uh, and I must say, if I see a, a peace officer um, patrolling my area at night, I'm probably going to want to give the person a cup of coffee because they're probably going to make me feel safer, because there are now more people watching my area at night. But is it the right response to add sort of another force on top of these problems, or is it better to fix the SAPS? Stephen, uh, absolutely correct. I think the first price would be fixing the SAPs. But we all know that that is going to take time. Um, there, there are so much required. In, I mean, there's, there's been all these reports coming from the, uh, uh, um, the National Development Plan about uh, the, the uh, things that needs to be corrected within the police service. That was, nothing was done. And then in 2018, we had the uh, panel of experts report with 136 excellent recommendations. Nothing has been done. So there doesn't seem to be any urgency with uh, your know, political will uh, and, and urgency within the police to implement these, these things. So this is why I said right at the outset, uh, you know, uh, uh, everyone is concerned with the way th uh, Things are going in terms of, of safety in this country. Uh, our crimes are increasing now for about a decade, and it doesn't seem to be, the pattern doesn't seem to be changing. So there's an urgency for more security. So this looks like it could be an interim uh, approach to address the absence of the required change in, in the police. So to that extent, it can work. It can make a contribution. What I'm worried about is that we, as the Western Cape appears to be approaching this in the right way, very responsible, putting the basics in place, uh, making certain that, uh, you know, those peace officers have all the training and the equipment and the support that they require to perform their, their role. And certainly it looks like they are making an impact already if you look at, at the murder rate in, in, in parts of the Western Cape. Then it doesn't look like Gauteng is approaching it in the same responsible way. And that is a worry. Get the basics in place before you put someone on the street. Make certain there's proper oversight, that there's proper command and control structures in place, that people can be held accountable where they overstep the line and, and, and uh, you know, don't perform as they should. And these things doesn't seem to be approached. And that could become a bigger problem than they are supposed to be solving. Um, Dr. Berger, this is probably an awful question to answer, um, maybe controversial, but there have been so many problems with the police for so long, and it's actually happened in public for so long. Is there a point at which reform of an institution like the SAPS becomes impossible? Well, Stephen, as you said, it's a, it's a, it's a very difficult question to answer. Uh, there's There's been some some 
um, attempts in, in the police, for example, by appointing a real um, experienced uh, police officer as, as national commissioner. But what worries me is that there are uh, very uh, little in terms of attempting to address some of the very practical things that can be corrected immediately. I mean, if you take the 136 um, recommendations I referred to in terms of the panel of experts report, you can. There are a number of those those recommendations that can be implemented relatively easily, relatively quickly, and then you know the rest can follow. But there needs to be a visible attempt from government, a political will, a visible political will to fix those problems. Now, if these things doesn't happen, then there's only one conclusion. The deterioration um, that, that is currently happening in the police service will, will absolutely continue and they are being overwhelmed currently as, as you pointed out in the terms of detection rates that are falling. Um, then, then it's clear that the police will at some stage reach a point where they become completely ineffective and 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 what happens then so we we don't really have the answers to this but that we have a a, a reason to be concerned that is obvious dr jan berger thank you independent crime and policing consultant my thanks also to the western cape community safety mec regan allen starting us off today the gauteng premier spokesperson voyo margo voyo marga we will uh, be back with you tomorrow from tato zelma banyana Mdu, sons and myself look after yourself you with sfm leading the conversation nine o'clock